0: You're listening to VO Stories, episode 100. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm Tina Zaremba, voiceover talent, mentor, and good old-fashioned storyteller. I believe we all have a story to tell. We can all learn from one another. I created this podcast for you, the VO artist who's ready to embrace all that your VO journey has to offer. You'll be inspired, informed, and transformed as you learn from industry experts, VO talents, and my insights from 15 years in the industry, having voiced national commercials to promos, and everything in between. Success in voiceovers is more than just a snazzy voice, and this podcast will help show you the way. Thanks for listening. Hey, friends. Oh, my gosh, I can't believe this is episode 100, and I am so thrilled that it is with the amazing Maria Pendolino again, part two, the queen of negotiating herself, In this episode, Maria dives even deeper into talking about the various ads that can exist on the internet, key questions we need to ask potential clients that are looking to create a video for the web with our voice and more. So without further delay, here's our chat. Welcome back. Here we are again, and I'm with Maria Pendolino. The Italian, sassy, talented, <laughs> <laughs> expert on negotiating voiceover rates. And last we left it, we were talking about the internet and why we really, as talent, need to know what type of video this is going to be. Specifically, is it going to be have paid media behind it? You talked about what is it? Is it pre-roll? Is it streaming for radio? Uh, what type of traffic? Uh, can you talk, dive into that a little more for us?
1: Do you want me to just talk about like how to, how to figure out like what the traffic is like that's coming yeah, to a particular where thing? It could,
0: where it could live. Cause I, uh, you know, I'm familiar with pre-roll. I'm familiar yep. with streaming radio, but yep. what else can there be?
1: There's a lot of different things out there. So if we think about anything that accompanies like video or visual, so in addition to uh, pre-roll videos that you would find on things like YouTube or Hulu, there's also placement of pre-roll videos on other sorts of websites that have video. So for instance, like local news sites, if they have like little clips from their their local news broadcast, pre-roll ads can get trafficked in front of those videos that are embedded on those local news websites. There's also a type of, of video advertising called interstitials. So if you are watching a a video on Facebook, let's see one about you know, a fireman saving a cat from a sewer has come up into your newsfeed. <laughs> um, while you're watching it at that pinnacle moment where you're about to see, did the fireman get the cat out of the sewer? You will see an ad kind of in the middle of that video. That's called an interstitial video. So it might be called a pre-roll or mid-roll, but that's kind of the thing that happens. A mid-video, it's typically not skippable. So you won't be able to find out if the cat's okay until after you watch that ad. Then we've got, you know, audio only ads. So you've got advertisements that are embedded into a podcast and podcasts have gotten really smart with dynamic advertising now. So previously the ad would be recorded and inserted into the podcast and then it would just kind of live on in that podcast forever and ever, amen, because it was all just one edited audio file. But now they're using sophisticated software and algorithms that they can dynamically place ads in podcasts. So even if you're listening to a podcast that was posted three years ago, you might be hearing a new ad that's been inserted into the podcast. Obviously, everything that's happening on Pandora and Spotify and the iHeartRadio app, anywhere that you're listening to streaming music, opportunities to hear uh, advertising, people are trafficking in there. And what's really exciting about those audio advertisers and, you know, pre-roll to a certain extent as well, is they have information from you based on, you know, how you've signed up and how you've interacted on the site. You know, if you signed up for Spotify through Facebook... They know kind of what you've liked on Facebook or what you've interacted with. So they can present you ads, you know, based on the things that you've said that you liked or interacted with before. There's also a lot of geo-targeting going on for ads. So it's really easy for people to do hyper-local advertising based on your IP address or based on, you know, what you've said your zip code is when you sign up. Uh, with your billing information and things like that on these platforms. You know, so that makes it really easy for someone in a local marketplace, let's say a dentist who wants to get new clients and they want to do a Spotify ad to try and get new clients versus a traditional terrestrial radio ad. They can target right down to the zip code of who they'd like to hear that ad and get it in rotation. So lots of different kind of avenues that are in this wild west of the internet that gives advertisers a lot of options. But what's cool about it for us as voiceover talent is that people are creating more and more and more content, both advertising content and also kind of static native and organic content. And they want voiceover for it, which is really great. So it's more work for all of us.
0: Ah, You're smart. How did you (laughs) learn about... Now I'm sitting here. I used to work in the digital space in the corporate world. And I don't think I retained nearly as much as you've just rattled off. So how did you learn all about dynamic advertising, geotargeting? Did you take a course somewhere?
1: No, I just read a lot of, uh, I just read a lot of things on the internet. I have uh, custom Google alerts set up for different things that I'm interested in. So I get kind of news delivered to my inbox every day. And I just try to educate myself in the space. I'm just, I, I am a massive consumer of content. My husband and I listen probably to two or three podcasts a day. I listen to a ton of music on Pandora and Spotify. And I love it when either myself or my friends interrupt my own listening experience. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm just a huge consumer of media. So that's allowed me to become kind of more kind of more adept at talking about it just because I myself am experiencing it every day.
0: Are there particular sites that you recommend to educate one oneself on? where the internet is going and really understanding like dynamic advertising, geo-targeting.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. I really love all of the articles that are put out by Ad Age, which is a great um, internet publication all about kind of the advertising and marketing industry. And then I really love HubSpot, which is a great place for marketing information. But other than that, there's a lot of websites that kind of just aggregate news. So I've set up myself some Google alerts for things like media, advertising, voiceover, things like that. And then I just kind of run through like a daily scroll of Google news alerts and then just kind of like pop in and read anything that I think is interesting.
0: I think you should run for president of our country. (laughs) I mean, like... Let's get down to the how of rates, because I feel like as we were talking before we went live, talent can get tweaked on, they know a number that they want to ask, but they're not sure how to ask. And sometimes people get uncomfortable around money and they can mm-hmm. sound defensive either over the phone or an email. So how, how do you suggest you start that communication with a potential client?
1: Yeah. So if somebody has reached out to you for a quote, either you auditioned for them or they found you or you were recommended, whatever it is, but they've they've asked you for a quote the first thing that I recommend is you ask them if they have a budget. Do you have a budget or do you have a budget range in mind? And if they say yes and give you some numbers, that can at least help you understand kind of the world you're in. Are you playing in a small town AAA baseball park or are you in the middle of Fenway? You know, what what is the, the world that you're existing in? And that can give you some room. You either quote within that range or you let them know that, you know, actually... Um, you know, what they're expecting is higher and you can kind of move the conversation from there. If they tell you that they don't have a budget range in mind and they're just looking for a number from you, then you might need to ask some additional questions. So I always recommend not starting to throw out numbers like, oh, my normal rate is this or my session fee is this until you get the answers to all of your questions. And the key questions to ask are, is there any paid advertising or media behind it? And then that triggers additional questions. If yes, where will it be shown? And for how long will it be shown? If they say, no, there's no paid spend behind it, then it's just understanding exactly what it is. Is this something that is just internal to the employees of that company? Is this something that is going to sit on a public website? Is this something that they're going to post to their social media channels, but it's just native content? It's not advertising content. Is it going to be on a telephone system? Is it going to be just audio only? All of these other questions can help you determine then what category it belongs in. Is this something that I should price per video? Is this considered long form narration? And then in the advertising categories, obviously using things like the rate guide to help you determine an appropriate usage of your voice for a period of time. And then I think, as I said in the first episode, just the idea of giving yourself grace and space and then the person you're dealing with some grace and space. So I like to use phrases like, let me know if this lines up with your budget expectations. So let me know if that's kind of assuming that they didn't throw you a number. So I'm giving you this number based on what you've told me, based on the answers you've given me to my questions. Let me know if this lines up with your budget expectations. And then I might follow it up with a phrase that lets them know that I'm open to negotiation. So if it's a category where I've thrown out my number of where I'd like to be. And if I think I have a little bit of wiggle room, like I could, I could accept less and still feel like I'm getting compensated fairly for my work. And it's still within industry standards. I might say something like, I'm happy to negotiate from here if needed, or I can be flexible if need be, or I can be flexible within reason happy to continue the conversation from there. So it lets you know that you understand that negotiation is a two-way street and that sometimes it's not accomplished just in two emails where they tell you what they want and you tell them the price. You want to avoid getting into kind of that used car salesperson thing where, you know, you you walk up and they say, well, how much is this? And they say, how much do you have? And then they say, you know, it's exactly that price. You want to avoid getting kind of like that back and forth happening repeatedly, but hopefully you can come to an agreement. So there's been many times where, you know, someone has reached out to me either through my website or, you know, through an online casting site and said, you know, I have this project, you know, are you available and what would you quote? I ask them if they have a budget, they say, no. And then I ask my follow-up questions about paid advertising and things like that. So I've got the answers to my questions. So then I present my rate and I say, this is my rate. It's based on this, this, and this. Let me know if this lines up with your budget expectations, be to negotiate from here if needed. And sometimes they'll come back and say, oh, that is so much higher than we were expecting or whoa, that's that's a lot more than we were hoping to spend. And what's interesting is like, you told me you didn't have a budget. So if you already have an idea that this is too much than what you were hoping to spend, then you did have a budget. You just didn't want to tell me. Mm-hmm. So then I decide if I have enough room and I think at vocation, I called this performing negotiation CPR where, you know, throw something else out and say, okay, I, I hear you. If we could get it done for X, you know, would that work for you? So like, here's my second pitch. Like I gave you my gold price. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give you my silver price. And sometimes they come back and say, you know, really, that's that's still too rich for us. And I say, I totally understand. If you have a future project that you think we could work on together, feel free to keep me in mind, whatever. Or if I think I still have some room, especially if it's things that don't include any sort of paid advertising, it's a low lift, I can get it done quickly. And I still feel like I'm within the range of industry standards and I'm not selling the farm or giving them something for $5. Then I might say, the lowest I can do is this. Let me know if we could get it done at that number. And that would be kind of like my bronze level of, of offering. And that can be kind of like your last ditch, like here's here's a way to make it work. And I understand that those can be very frustrating conversations because yes, these people had a number in the back of their mind and they just weren't being forthcoming with the information. But you know, sometimes... You ask somebody if they have a budget range and they tell you, you know, like the example that I shared at Vocation and that we talked about in episode one, and their budget is higher than what you would have kind of built your quote as. So, you know, sometimes you get those. That's like a Yahtzee experience. Great job. (laughs) And sometimes you get one where you put out a number and they're like, well, we were hoping to be closer to here. And then you arrive at kind of like that silver middle ground. And then sometimes you're like, you know what? I could get this done. I would like to cash that check. Can we get it done here? You just have to be open to continuing the conversation. I think it's great to take the emotion out of it. And I think people get caught up because you know uh, they might get defensive or say like, well, you know, that's really not how we charge for this. And uh, you have to understand that I have to put a lot of work into it and I have all of this equipment and I took all this education and then you're bringing this baggage in with you and they don't care about all of that. They just know that you're a professional talent and they wanna get this done. So I use a method of responding to emails that I call write hot and revise cold. And I stole Mm -hmm. that from my high school English teacher, Kevin Starr, if he's out there listening. Um, Mr. Starr, Starr, (laughs) shout out to you. I'll tag him on Facebook when this episode comes out and tell him he can (laughs) listen to it. But his methodology of write hot, revise cold is when you are writing, Do not kind of censor yourself or edit yourself. Just get it all out. Verbally vomit everything you would like to say. Do it in a Microsoft Word document or do it in a blank email that's not addressed to anybody. Just say what you want to say. Then go get your coffee. (laughs) Listen to 15 minutes of a podcast. Put your Spotify relaxing sounds of Mm -hmm. Swedish rivers on your your Spotify playlist, whatever you need. And just let it go. Like Elsa says, let it go, right? Right. 15 minutes later, come back to it and then revise it. Take out all of the emotion, take out all of the erroneous information, take out all of the accusations and defensiveness, and just get down to the facts. This is a business conversation. It is not personal, it's business. In all likelihood, whatever the person said to you was not intended to offend you or your business acumen or your worth or anything. So go through. Revise the email and just get back to the facts. Thank you so much for that information. Unfortunately, I wouldn't be able to do it for that price. But if we could meet at X, would that work for you? I'd love to work with you and love to get this done. Let me know. Happy to discuss from there, whatever it is. And then take out the other 300 words of uh, vitriol that you spit out when you were initially perhaps insulted by their their first response back to you.
0: And do you link potential clients to these rate guides that you talked about in episode one the gva rate guide gravy for the brain
1: yes i traditionally do not send them to my clients and it's because they're just too complicated yes if you're dealing with someone who only does explainer videos god forbid they click on the national television usage first and start reading all about the difference of 13 week cycles and this that and the other thing I just find them very overwhelming for people who don't have exposure to that. And also no offense to the GVAA, but sometimes I charge more than they have in their range for a particular genre. And they make lots of updates, which is awesome, but we're not always perfectly aligned. So no, I think it's way too much information for clients. I might reference it and say that my quote is based on, you know, uh, industry standards or, you know, things that come out of, you know, a, a non-union industry standard or something that might be a, a union rate or something. But no, I, I don't send those links to people.
0: Yep. 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 I agree 110% with you. So before we, before we wrap up, can you share one unexpected tip or trick for voiceover performers, be it on You've given us a lot on negotiating, right? Maybe not there. Maybe it's on marketing. Maybe it's something else, but... Sure.
1: Awesome. Um, So here is my tip that I actually shared when I presented at the World Voices Conference, Wovo, in October of 2019. I was talking a little bit about millennials in advertising. So I've kind of branded myself as a millennial voiceover talent. And when you were auditioning for commercials or to some extent, you know, industrials and things like that with large companies, a lot of times they've identified celebrities that have the kind of prototype or voice that they're looking for. Now, they're not going to hire Scarlett Johansson for every job, but they love the sound of her voice and the rasp that she brings to it and her approachability and her timber and all of those things. So you'll see, you know, celebrity references, her, Anna Kendrick, uh, John Krasinski, Michael B. Jordan, uh, Lena Waithe, all of these people who are kind of like in the forefront of the the media sphere right now. My free hack for you is that all of these people go to the late night and daytime talk shows. So people like Jimmy Kimmel, Jimmy Fallon, Conan, Ellen, all of the different people who have them on their chairs and couches. And when they are visiting those shows, they are at their most human and their most conversational because they're telling Jimmy Fallon about the time they got locked out of their car or they're telling Ellen about the three kittens that they just adopted at the animal shelter. And what you can do is transcribe the interview and then work on reading along with them. This is not a this is not a celebrity impression. This is not about doing ADR and voice match, but it's about kind of their essence. So then the next time that you get Scarlett Johansson or Anna Kendrick or John Krasinski as the reference for an audition, you can have this kind of like practice of like you know, tell a story about adopting a cat at an animal shelter as John Krasinski before you go into reading the audition copy. It's a great way to bake break your own rhythms when you kind of are kind of set in your own way of the way that, you know, you do copy or, you know, a lot of us who have been doing voiceover for long enough are getting told that we're now too good because our enunciation yeah. and our diction is too good and they want things that feel a little sloppier, a little messier, a little more real, conversational to like the nth degree, you know, not just a shrug, but like beyond. And this can be a great way to just get you out of your own rhythm. So that's my hack for you. So the next time you get an audition that references a celebrity, go check out and see what late night show they've been on. Uh, Read along with them, kind of enjoy the conversation, and then take a little bit of that into the booth with
0: you before you do your audition. Love it. And Maria, once again, where can folks learn about you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You can find me at voicebymaria.com. I'm active on Instagram at Maria Pendo, M-A-R-I-A-P-E-N-D-O. And then if you would like to book time with me because you need help with negotiation or anything else, I offer kind of an on-demand peer-to-peer negotiation coaching for 15 minutes. Um, And you can find that on my Calendly account, which is Calendly, C-A-L-E-N-D-L-Y.com slash voice by
0: Maria. Love it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. I love her hack for really understanding certain types of celebrity voices for our auditions. I mean, so often I'll see referencing Kristen Wiig or an Amy Poehler reference or wanting someone to sound like Tina Fey. Maria's hack is brilliant and we should all go to Jimmy Kimmel and look for the celebrities that we're seeing in our specs for auditions. Also, did she not give us great questions to ask potential clients or what? Now, what I really, really liked, well, I loved the entire conversation, but what struck a chord for me is taking the emotion out of our negotiation conversations. That can be tricky, depending on the story we have around money. Which brings me to our guest for next week, Sarah Von Bargen. Sarah is a life coach and an expert when it comes to creating new habits, especially around our finances. So I hope you'll join me in that conversation. And Thank you again, Maria Pendolino. Be sure to check her out. Until next week, here's to owning our voices.